Welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, I'm excited for the Word tonight and the title of my message is, What If? What If? Last year, the the first message I spoke was on Acts 3. This year, the first message I speak is on Acts 4. And if I can give you a bit of context, um, give you kind of what's been happening in the life of Peter and John. um, They had just spent the last few years following Jesus, doing what He did, learning from Him. They witnessed His death, they witnessed His resurrection and now they are starting to do what they saw Jesus do. They're starting to see people healed. They're starting to see people set free. They're getting real bold. They start proclaiming the Gospel. Like like they're not quiet about this one. They're just like, hey, salvation is found in no one else. This This isn't a question or an argument. Salvation is found in no one else but the Name of Jesus. And on this, they find some opposition. They find that there are some challenges in the life of faith. They find that, that, that people want to intimidate, that people want to cause them to, to buckle down in fear and stop proclaiming the message of God. And so we're gonna pick up in Acts 4 and it says this, Acts 4 verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed, oh, let me actually tell you one more thing. So on this journey, right, they start doing things Jesus did and and they see a man who's been crippled from birth and he sits at the beautiful gate. And every day he's asking for people's change. It was interesting, God had something more. He had life change. And so every day this man's asking for the same thing and then Peter and John step into the picture and then this man gets healed. So this causes the big commotion. So this also adds to why they're having this conversation. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? What are we gonna do with Peter and John? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. It's interesting, you can speak about a lot of different things, but the only thing they're concerned about is speaking in the name of Jesus. They don't care any other God. No, no, just don't speak in the name of Jesus is what they're saying. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, They've, um, these are some game fellas. They said, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to Him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then it goes on and say, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them. 
because all the people were praising God for what had happened. All the people, not just some of the people, all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Can we pray before going any further? Father God, we just thank You for Your Word that is alive and active. And God, we just pray that You would divide the Word a million ways, that every single heart in this place would be touched, would be moved. And Lord, it wouldn't just be another night in Your presence, but God, we would walk out different to the way we came in. In Jesus' Name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You ever get put in the naughty corner growing up? It's, I feel like it's a modern thing, like... My, my, you know, my mom wouldn't have had the naughty corner. She grew up in a Serbian household. They used kitchen utensils, not a naughty corner. So I didn't really get the naughty corner because I'm like, it's, you're just standing. Like it, it's, it's not that much of a punishment. Or maybe, or maybe you're sitting. But the thing is with the naughty corner is you face the corner and you're not allowed to turn around. So your family can be playing games in the middle your family can be watching a show. Your family can be eating dinner, having the best time. But if you are to glance, they're like, stop it. Face the wall. You've got to think about what you have done. So, so the thing about the naughty corner, what makes it the punishment is you're missing out on what's actually happening. You're missing out on, the, on what's happening in the centre of the room. You're missing out on what's really going on. You're in the room but you're not engaged in anything happen. And uh, there's a movie, I mean, I've never seen this movie, but there's a certain quote that's a pretty famous quote about a corner. And it goes like this, nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, I'm just saying, I just heard it said, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't put something in the corner when it belongs on display. But because of fear, but because of intimidation, but because of opposition, sometimes we relegate our faith to the corner. It's in the room, we tell ourselves, no, no, I've got faith. It's in the room, but it's in the corner. It's not on display, no one can really see it, it but it's in the room, but it's, it's, it's not engaging in what's happening. So we walk into our schools, we walk into our workplaces, we walk into our families and we keep telling ourselves we got faith, but we've relegated it to the corner. And no one's asking questions about it. No one's thinking twice about it because we've left it in the corner. You see, Peter and John were different, right? These guys, faith was not in the corner. Faith was on display. Faith was evidence. They saw, they saw the outworkings of their faith in the everyday. But sometimes because of the fear and because of the intimidation and because of opposition, we put faith in the corner. And it's interesting. I don't know why we came to the conclusion at some point that a life of faith doesn't share opposition. It's not in the Bible at all. Open one single page and you'll find every, anyone that did anything significant for God faced opposition. You don't have to read the terms and conditions. It's on the front page. You will see that faith, a life of faith has opposition. And if I'm being really honest, a life without faith, you still have opposition. We always think something's wrong. We gotta run, we gotta do something. No, 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 it's just, it's just a part of life. Opposition. 
But we start to ask these questions and the reason we keep faith in the corner is because we, we, we go through these questions of what if. Well, what if they don't like me? Or what if they see, that? what if they, what if I'm embarrassed? Or what if, what if I'm afraid? Or I didn't, I didn't know this was coming, but what if, what if, what if these things happen and it doesn't go to plan? What if we keep saying? And sometimes we say, what if I'm afraid? What if I'm afraid? Because if we're being honest, Sometimes we're afraid of what people think of us. Sometimes we're scared of people's opinions. And because if they think low of us and we've attached our value to their opinions of us, then we will go low with their opinion. But I've heard it said that if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. And this thing doesn't go away the older you get. It's something you actually deal with God. And the more secure you become in who God says you are, the less you care about what man says you are. And I've heard the world say a lot about this generation, but I've also heard what God says about this generation, which is so different, which is full of life, which is full of hope. But we say, no, no, what if... What if they don't like me and I'm scared of their opinions? But sometimes we say, but what if I don't know what to say? And that's, that's okay because we often have this idea of what if I don't know what to say? I remember when I was a receptionist just out of school, I worked in a um, real estate and in the morning, sometimes I'd go and pray over the tables and go pray over the desk before people would come in. And these two people would come in and pay rent on a Saturday. Every time I'm like praying, really like, but had no idea what to say. And I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to invite these two people to church. And I was like, oh, that's really awkward though, because if they say no, I'm gonna see them next week. And like, I I don't really wanna do this. And so I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, but I don't really have the words. And you know what? Sometimes the Holy Spirit just starts speaking. You're like, whoa, that was cool. Like that just came out of my mouth, wow. And then sometimes you're awkward and you fumble with your words and you stumble. And I remember uh, the, the person came in and I'm like, yeah, so um, yeah, we have like this thing on Sunday and yeah, and if you wanna come, you can. Yep, cool, okay, great. And they left and I was like, oh, that was the worst. That was so bad. I'm the worst at this. And later on, I'm cleaning in the back room and um, that person had left a note and they said their name and they said, call for church. So I call them and they say, yeah, what do I wear? And I was like, whoa, even when you don't have the words, it's amazing what God can do. And the Bible says in John 14 that He says, when we, I will give you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. He will teach you what to say, which is to say you won't always know what to say. And sometimes you'll feel awkward and sometimes you'll get it wrong because you're learning. That's why we need the teacher. And this word, it means discourse, that you would have a dialogue with the Holy Spirit you would have a conversation with the Holy, Holy Spirit. And, and you've probably experienced this, you just didn't have the language around it. You've probably felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go and, and to encourage that person or to go and sit with that person or to go and do that thing. And, and what you find internally is like your emotions 
are having a response. You're like, no, this is a bad idea. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And your body feels the emotion. So when you're afraid and you feel fear, your muscles will tense. And so everything in you is going, this is a bad idea. But the Holy Spirit, He's like, no, 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 no. I got your back. No, 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 no. This is of me. And what is happening in you is you are having an internal conversation with the Holy Spirit. And now that you know it, next time it happens, you go, oh, okay. Okay, I'm listening now. And as we grow more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, oh, we will know He will teach us what to say. What if I don't know what to say? That's okay. The Holy Spirit will teach you. But what if I'm questioned? I don't know if I'm gonna go too well if I get questioned. I once had a life group leader give me a notebook as a gift and they wrote on the first page like, um, you know, dear Talia, hope you have a great year. In fact, I hope and pray you get questioned and challenged this year. I was like, what are you saying? Take it back. I don't want this question and challenge. I don't want anything to do with that. We don't like being questioned and challenged. And she goes on to say, well, when you're questioned and when you're challenged, your faith goes deeper. And it happened for me that year, instead of just relying on the opinions here and relying on what I heard here, my faith had to go deeper. My foundation had to get stronger. Things that were just ideas became convictions that I still walk with to this day because I was questioned and because I was challenged. If you question and you're challenged, it's usually a good sign. You're usually living a life that is worth asking questions about. Now you gotta know, they were questioned for a good deed. He said, you're questioning us for a good deed. This good deed glorified God. We can't be the Christians that when we face opposition, we're like, yeah, we're doing the right thing, but they're actually questioning you because you just want to stir the pot and you just think you're doing the right thing. No, no, they were questioned for a good deed that glorified God. So what happens if I'm questioned or challenged? Well, guess what? Your faith's about to get stronger. Your faith's about to go deeper. And sometimes we say, but what if it's raining? What if it's raining? The weather's not good. The conditions, no, 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 it's not today. It's bad weather out there. Can you imagine if Jesus said that before He walked on water? Nah, it's not sunny today. I'm just gonna leave the disciples to figure this one out. I'll just wait until the water is still. I'll just wait until it's the perfect opportunity. No, 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 that's not what our Jesus did. In the storm, Jesus decided, in the imperfect conditions, Jesus decided that He would walk towards us and Peter would step out in faith in His imperfect conditions. What if it's raining? What if the conditions aren't perfect? What if I'm, what if I'll just wait, right? I'll just, we tell ourselves, I'll just wait until I'm older. I'll just wait until I'm older. Just wait until I'm more mature. But 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Do not let people look down on you because you are young, but set the example of faith in love, in purity, in conduct. Don't wait until you're older. You'll be waiting too long. He's called you now. Some of you think your calling is 10, 20, 30 years in the future. You think your calling is something you gotta find, you gotta go after. No, your calling is now. Your calling is the people around you. When you walk into your school, that's your calling. When you walk into your workplace, that's your calling. You don't have to be so confused. 
Your calling is now. You don't have to wait till you're older. Oh, what if, um, what if I don't have it together? You know, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait until I get my stuff together. And you'll be waiting your whole life and you'll never do anything. Because that doesn't happen. That day doesn't come. We don't wake up one day and you yeah, I'm perfect now. I can now, I can now do something. I can now tell people about God because now I'm perfect. No, no, that day doesn't come. We can't wait until the conditions are perfect. Because He's calling us to walk in the imperfect. And the fact that they were unschooled and ordinary, the fact that they were imperfect, who got the glory? God did. When they see you, oh, you're just a student. Yeah, yeah. Who gets the glory? God does. Oh, you're just, run. you're just, it's your first year out in the workplace. As if you can do anything. No, no, no. God gets the glory in our imperfections. God gets the glory. They look at you and they say this. They must be with Jesus. That's the only conclusion they can draw. They must have been the ones that walked with Jesus. I hope people draw that conclusion when they look at me. Oh yeah, she must have been with Jesus. They continue to face challenge and it says they go back to the believers. Peter and John, after having this conversation, after having uh, this kind of argument with the Sanhedrin, they go back to the believers. And we'll pick it up in verse 23. It says this, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Together in prayer to God. The response of the believers was they raised their voices together in prayer to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Cheers. They go on to quote the word. And then in verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. You see, if we're gonna say what if on one end of the spectrum, we need to say what if on the other end. So I wanna say, what if you were bold? Because here's the thing with boldness, it's not a feeling. You don't just wake up and think, I, I feel bold. I'm just gonna wait until I feel. Boldness isn't a feeling. I don't even think Peter and John would have felt that bold because it's not a feeling, it's an action. And they go to God, they say, you know our threats. You know the, the threats they've said against us. You know what's going on. But what are they asking for? They're asking, are they asking for the situation to go away? No. Are they asking for the sun to start shining again? Nope. They're asking for boldness. They're asking for boldness. You know what they could have done when they came home? They could have said, guys, you know what? It's tough out there. We're facing some serious challenges. In fact, it's so tough out there. How about I make a tea? We have a nap and we just forget about this whole thing. It can just be history. How about we just do that? That could be what we do. 
They didn't say that. You know what they could have done? They, said, they could have come back and said, hey guys, um, we're facing some opposition at the moment. Uh, so why don't we just lay low for a bit? In fact, why don't we, instead of proclaiming our faith with boldness, why don't we just whisper? Whispering is a good, good idea. Why don't we just put our faith back in the corner, right? We'll just whisper about it. And I don't know if you've ever realised, whispers get lost in translation. Have you ever played that game where one person whispers to the next and the statement they started with is completely different to the statement that comes out the end because whispers get lost in translation. Do you know if the enemy can't get you to be silent, he's happy if you're just whispering. He's happy if, if you're just whispering, if there's no real evidence to your faith. He's happy if, if you just keep your faith in the corner. But what they're asking for is more than that. What they're asking for is boldness. Oh God, it's tough out there, but I need You to give me boldness. I need to get together with the believers and pray because I need Your boldness. I wanna step out. I want there to be evidence to my faith. Faith is the evidence of things unseen and things hoped for. It's evidence. That means the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you act, evidence of God. Your whole life should be evidence of the unseen. When they look at you, oh my goodness, there's more than there's more to them. Oh my goodness, I got questions about that person. Because your life is evidence of our God, how He's changed your world, how He's changed the worlds of those around you. It's evidence. Boldness is louder. They were astonished by their boldness. And then they say, oh, we can't be quiet about this. We've seen some things, I've seen some stuff. We can't be quiet about what we've seen and what we've heard. Do you know, I don't just tell my story. I tell the story of my family. I tell the story of my mom. You know, her life shouldn't have looked the way it does now. You grow up in abuse. You don't get to raise six kids that are all in church court, you know, praising God. That doesn't, that's not a dream she could have had when she was growing up. But then God. And she's walking into, a, a, she walked into a future that she couldn't have even imagined herself. I don't just tell my story, I tell my parents' story. I don't just tell my story, I start to tell about my husband. Oh, his life shouldn't, he doesn't, he shouldn't look like the way he does. He shouldn't be the man he is. When you dealt the set of cards he was dealt with. No, 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 he shouldn't look the way he does. He shouldn't walk with the strength he does. But then God, and everything changes and I can't be silent because I'm looking at evidence of God's goodness. I'm looking at the evidence of God's goodness. I can't be quiet about what I've seen and what I've heard. I don't just tell my story, I tell the stories of those around me. Because here's the thing, when they got bold and they shared the story, when they shared of salvation in Christ, I got one more for you, what if they believe? Because people started hearing this. And even though they were few in number, there was only just a few of them. I remember when I started a Tuesday lunchtime group at school, we would 
read the Word. I'd preach sometimes. We'd get other people to preach. I'd bring my youth leaders in to preach in my school. I saw salvations in my school. I saw over 75 salvations in my school. And even though we were, I didn't wait because I didn't wait till there was more people. I didn't, it didn't matter. We had to start somewhere. Even if my whole friends weren't coming, I would still go because there would be other people in other years that would come and they would start to believe. So what if they believe? What if someone's life gets transformed when they look at you and they look at the evidence of your faith? What if someone's life gets transformed? What if someone gets healed? What if they go back into their family and their whole family gets changed? What happens if, what if, what if the impact you have is not just for one person, but is for a whole family? What if that whole family then has a generational impact? You don't get to determine what will happen. But here's the thing, people will believe. Some won't, but some will. What if they believe? You see, this man they healed, he had been sitting crippled at the gate for over 40 years, over 40 years. You see, 40 in the Bible is significant. 40 years often signifies a generation. That means a generation walked past this man and missed his miracle. That means a generation of people had missed the signs and wonders of what God could do. And you know, you'll miss the miracle if we're just focused on our own world and we're focused on our own thing, you'll miss it. It's the narrative painted in our society that just, it's all about you, it's all about you. You will never live a fulfilling life if you make it all about you. I get it, I've heard the songs. I know Beyonce sings the song that I was here and I've done and I did everything and that's cool, but I don't really care if they remember me because my prayer is this, when they look at me, I hope they see Jesus. My prayer is that they would remember His legacy, not mine. Mine will be short-lived. His will go on for every generation. We'll miss the miracles if we're stuck in our own world. Do you know you'll miss the miracles around you if you're crippled by the faith within you, the fear within you, sorry. You'll miss the miracles around you if you're crippled by the fear within you. Some of you, you've been like that. You've been crippled by fear and faith has been in the corner because of opposition. Faith has been in the corner because you've been intimidated. Faith has been in the corner because of fear in your life and you feel crippled by it. You feel crippled by it. Do you know, I cannot walk past and I will not walk past a generation crippled by fear and anxiety. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. This generation is lonely. This generation is full of anxiety. You know what? I say this generation is is full of the life of God. This generation is bold. This generation will make a difference. This generation will stand up. This generation won't be subject to the opinions of others. This generation is different. This generation is bold. This generation won't walk past the miracles. You know what I believe? This generation will see the signs and wonders. They will see it in their friends. They will see it in their schools. They will see it in their workplaces. This generation won't miss it. Thanks for listening to this message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.